Welcome to the Basketpedia podcast, brought to you by System Basketball. On this episode, Coach Perry Webster of Fullerton College, we will be discussing his Fullerton College program, his defensive philosophy, advantages of junior college basketball, the NBA, and more. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Basketpedia podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hart, and today's guest is Perry Webster of Fullerton College in California. He's a member of the Orange Empire Conference and the Triple CAA Community College out here in California. How are you doing today, Coach? I'm doing well. Just uh, staying inside, hiding away from the fires and the smoke and the ash, and just yeah. excited to talk to you today. Crazy world, right? We've, we've had to deal with COVID. And now, um, now going through some fires. Um, what's the landscape right now at Fullerton College? Are the kids on campus, or is it distance learning? It's distance learning. We haven't. Um, I haven't seen any of my guys since March. Um, so we're we're very restricted right now. Can't can't meet with them. Can't coach them. Can't do anything really. Uh, we meet on Zooms. Uh, we discuss. We 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 send out daily workouts. We're doing our weekly study halls, kind of online. Um, Right now, we're just trying to get these guys to stay focused and, and bear down on their academics because that's really the only thing they can control right now. Well, this is going to be your seventh season coming up. Six. Um, six. my six. Six. I'm sorry. And we are um, – it's okay. Um, you're in the Orange Empire Conference, which last season was a bear. Um, you had Riverside City College. You had Santiago Canyon. Yourself. Um, Irvine Valley, Saddleback, uh, a lot of the top JUCOs play in your conference. What's it like to compete and coach in that conference day in, day out? Uh, I, I, it's a great conference to be a part of. First off, just in terms of each athletic department and the support they give their, their athletic programs, it's, it's a higher level than, than what's kind of done throughout the state. Uh, each each school has SIDs. Each school has stats. Each each school does a good job with the athletic training and their facilities. So, um, you know, it's the top top of the top in terms of uh, conferences in the state of California. Uh, as a coach, you know, it's challenging because uh, you got to be ready to play every single night. Um, there's no easy games. Uh, there's really tough road games within the conference. Uh, there's Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, there's different styles of play. Um, you could go, you could go to Saddleback and have to win a game in the, in the forties and fifties. And then the next night go, or two nights later, go to Santiago Canyon and have to win a game in the eighties and nineties. Um, you could go to orange coast and get pressed for 40 minutes. Um, you go to Cypress and he's got, you know, 85 different plays that he's going to run or Irvine Valley, you know, so there's a lot of different challenges that come along with it. Uh, your team has to be able to adjust and be able to play uh, different styles. Um, it's, it's, you know, you got to find a way to, uh, take away other teams straight strengths and then force them to deal with, uh, your strengths and avoid, uh, getting exploited for any of your own weaknesses you may have. Um, Juco sometimes gets a bad rap here in California. I'm, I'm a high school coach here in California, Patriot high school. And I try to sit down with my basketball players and say, um, the stigma usually coaches, it goes D1, D2. NAIA, D3, and JUCO. That's, if, if, if people were looking at the tree, 
but we but the people that know know that it's at times it's d1 juco <laughs> d2 and and you've had a role in the last five years um i would say your top five juco up there with the san francisco's yourself east la has it going right now santiago canyons picked it up um yourself what is it what's what it, could you tell us why a player and what is good about junior college basketball? Even It gets a bad rap. Like, I'm just going to go to JUCO. That, yeah. like, kid, kid will say that. I'm just going to go to my local JUCO, which. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I think that there is that negative stigma about it just because it's not a four-year school. And a lot of times a kid will go to a JC because he needs academic, you know, he needs to get his academics right. And. Um, for whatever reason in, in today's society or in, in American society, we look down on people that struggle academically um, in high school when, you know, that happens and, and you, you know, we don't know what these kids go through and, and what they're dealing with on a daily basis. So uh, a lot of times, you know, I'll get a kid who's a non-qualifier and I'll be expecting him to really struggle academically on our campus and I get him and, and we keep tabs on him and stay on him. And all of a sudden he, he does a great job and uh, they're, they're, you know, we kind of cover up some of those issues that maybe that kid has, a, has as a 15 through 17 year old. And now he's a 19, 20 year old and um, he's more mature and, and he understands it better and he does a good job. So um, there's a lot of reasons for a kid to go JC just in my roster uh, on a yearly basis. There could be a, a, a lot of different reasons why we would have a player that we have and the caliber of player we have. I would say a lot of times we get transfers. So, I take a lot of division one transfers, a lot of division two transfers, uh, national JC transfers, you know, um, a lot of times you go to a four year school out of high school and you're just not ready for that. Um, there's a lot that comes along with being on a, on a college campus, the freedoms that come along with being away from your home, uh, the, the level of play, the, the, uh, four year coach, uh, fighting for his job and trying to provide for his family and the pressures that are on him, which therefore become your pressures. Um, and a lot of kids aren't ready for that uh, when they first go. So uh, the JC is here as a fallback option for some. Uh, it's, it's here for a stepping stone for others. Uh, my own experience as a player at the JC level was uh, I had a pretty good high school career. Um, I had Division II scholarship offers, but believed in my, in my heart I was a Division I guy. Uh, so I went the JC route to earn that scholarship and, and to have success, and that worked for me. So um, whatever it is, whatever the issue is, or, or, or whatever the reason is, um, division one, two, three, NAI, JC, whatever it is, it's about what you do every day. Are you working? Are you preparing? Are you doing the things that are right to, to, to set up your life in the long term? Um, so I don't worry about stigma. Uh, I, I think guys that come through here are tough. They're tough minded. Uh, they've been pushed. Uh, they've been held accountable, uh, and they're ready to go help four year schools out. Okay. You've moved on 27 players since 2015 um, to, at various levels, not all, not all D1, but a lot, a lot of D1 kids. What is it that, what is it that attracts Fullerton College to these guys? Is it, is it the notoriety that you've produced those guys? Is it, is it yeah. your school development? Is it your, I mean, how have you built it coach? Yeah, no, I think it's changed um, from my first couple of years to what it is now. You know, my, my first year, uh, Fullerton, the year before I got the job, had won four games. 
And I had just been an assistant at Saddleback the previous year, and we had just won a state championship in 2015. So um, I took the job over, and it was really, really important for me for us to be good our first year um, because I thought if we could have a good first year, the recruiting and everything would, would be a little bit easier after that. So we got lucky. I mean, we signed uh, – or we didn't sign. We don't sign our level, but – we got four transfers that, that came in that year. Uh, Ian Fox was a Division One transfer. Julian Richardson was a Division One transfer. Blake McBride was a Division One transfer. And then Kenny Barnes transferred in from a national JC. Uh, and all four of those guys were first-team all-conference guys my first year. I believe we won 22 or 23 games that first year. And so we were plus 19 in the win column right away. And, and, and you know, going into year two, it was like, okay, well, Fullerton's a player now. Um, they, they have players, um, they've, they've, Perry's been able to show that they can be successful and win games. So then recruiting became a little bit easier. It was, Hey, come jump on this. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's get better. Let's get you out. Um, and you know, second year we lost in the state championship game at the buzzer. Um, but again, it was just like, we were still moving forward. We were getting better and, and the players around us were getting better and, uh, people were starting to take notice that, um, Fullerton was a good place to be and, and to move on from. Okay. Well, you've been known for defense um, and you, you played for coach ground at Saddleback and then you, then you went there. Um, is he heavily influenced on your defensive philosophy? Uh, he's, he's heavily influenced my overall philosophy, um, okay. especially on the defensive end. Um, we're actually, you know, we're similar defensively, but we also have things that we do differently. So, um, the best thing for my experience with coach ground was that he allowed me as an assistant coach for him to have my own ideas and to bring them to him. And he accepted them and, and we had success with them. So he helped me build confidence in myself, uh, that I had good ideas and I had, I had stuff that would work. And a lot of head coaches don't do that. Um, but, but Andy has really, really helped mold me and in, in my philosophy, but, uh, we both firmly believe in challenging every shot. And, and rebounding the ball. And uh, we, we're not so focused on turning teams over. Um, although at times we'll try to send double teams and, and keep, keep teams on their toes. But uh, the, the more important thing for us is to make sure that, you know, teams are taking shots that are contested. Uh, five guys are blocking out. And uh, we're rebounding that ball and, and focusing on getting that stop before we're focusing on uh, going down the other way and trying to score. Um, so I think that offensively him and I are a little bit different. We play at a little bit different pace. Well, he's, he's not coaching there anymore. He just re retired, but um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, um, but, but there's things that we're different on, but uh, in essence, the core of us is we're going to challenge every shot. We're going to make you beat us over the top and we're going to play guys who buy into uh, defending as the number one priority within our program. And um, if you hold guys and you hold players to that uh, level, they're going to meet you at it. They're not going to just quit on it. They're going to meet you there. And, and that's how you get really good defensively. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm a dribble drive coach and ran a lot of pressing and stuff. And there for a while with Vance Wahlberg up at Fresno city, it was the thing to do for junior colleges. Um, and I think it's kind of shift shifted in the last few years where a lot of people were playing 10, 12 guys getting up and down pressing and going out and watching a lot of Juco games this past season started seeing more seven, eight, normal rotational, if you will. Um, 
is it because numbers are down or just you just think coaches are just changing and shifting their philosophy and feel that's the better way to play? Um, I don't know. I don't know uh, what everybody else's um, philosophy, why their, why their philosophy would shift that way. Um, I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but I've, we've always been that way. Like coach yeah. ground, he, he's always played a few more guys than I have. I, I've always played my top seven or eight guys, maybe, maybe sneaking a nine. Um, I just feel like, playing your best guys and, and focusing on, on, you know, getting, getting stops and, and controlling the tempo and, and the tempo could be fast or slow, but just make sure it's, it's in your favor. And, and um, I think that we've done that. And I've done that since I've been here. We did that when I was an assistant at Saddleback. Um, so I think some, some programs are shifting uh, to be a little bit more like a Saddleback or a Fullerton. Like I know you're going to have Jeff Klein on later. Yeah. Uh, Jeff was all press and all four out dribble drive um, for the longest time. Uh, and then a few years ago, he even said to me, Hey, we're we decided that we're going to start playing like Saddleback. And so he, you know, they, they, they played a matchup zone all year this past year. They, they played right. a little slower tempo. Uh, they do some different things. Now there's still dribble drive elements and, and some pressing elements, but um, I think that, you know, the game is going to change here, there. It's going to keep changing. Like a guy like uh, Todd Dixon at Santiago Canyon, you know, they, they play fast. They shoot a ton of threes. They play, you know, almost like an NBA team the way their style is. So um, I could see some, some teams at our level transitioning uh, towards that because he's been successful. But um, I think that uh, whatever the philosophy is of, of your program or, or whatever it is that you're doing, none of us, you know, are more right than the next guy. Uh, it's just about getting your players to be able to buy into to what you are doing and what you are preaching and making sure uh, everybody's going in the same direction. At the JUCO level, I mean, you got a phenomenal staff, but you're not paid. They're not paid like D1 assistants. So how do you find guys that are able to just, that are able to coach with you and, and do the job that they do and do the recruiting that they do and, and help build this, this, thing that you've built over the last five years yeah well I got lucky my first week on the job I hired a guy by the name of Tom Gorell and Tom was a former high school coach at Catella at Cypress um, at La Costa Canyon uh, he was the LA Times Southern California coach of the year in like 1997 so he's a he's a high school econ teacher at Catella High School in Anaheim he lives down the street from Fullerton College uh, he knew Andy ground. He, he kind of contacted Andy when he heard I was going to get the job. Uh, we had lunch, you know, like I said, a week after I had the job, I offered him my assistant position uh, right away. And he's been with me ever since. And um, he's opposite of me um, where I'm fiery and competitive and um, sometimes emotional. Uh, he's not that at all. He's very calm, very relaxed, um, always sees big picture. Uh, so I've been very lucky to have him as a mentor on my bench. Um, when I'm going to lose it, when I feel like I, I'm, you know, it could be a, it could be at nine 30 at night, you know, on a Thursday and I could be really frustrated uh, with, with a practice that day or whatever. Uh, I could call Tom and Tom will talk me off the ledge and he'll, and he'll kind of keep me grounded. Um, and then, you know, this past couple of years, we've had Michaela Sal who played for me at Saddleback and played at Long Beach state and he's just a, he's just an otherworldly person. He's, you know, he just works so hard. He, he just grinds it out with the guys on the academics and grinds it out with them, you know, in the, in the, in the weight room, uh, getting extra work in. 
did a lot of the defensive scouts, did most of the defensive scouts for us the past two years. Um, so I've been lucky with those guys, but you know, we had Andrew Bach who was really, really good assistant coach. Um, we lost him a couple years ago, but the reason we lose these guys is because like you said, um, they have to go get jobs and they have to get paid. So I can kind of get them when they're young and, and, you know, kind of try to mold them. And they have to decide. They have to decide if you would you'd compare it to like a grad assistant type situation. Yeah, they have to decide if they're gonna if they're gonna stick it out. If you you know, from my own experience, I, I spent three years as an assistant as an assistant at Saddleback mm-hmm. uh, for Andy, and I got paid like a total over three years. I got paid like ten thousand yeah. um, dollars. At the time, I did my masters online. I lived at home with my then girlfriend, now wife. Uh, I lived with my parents. We just made ends meet barely substitute Todd at the juvenile hall during the day. And then I'd, I'd go, go to practice. I'd be able to watch all my film during lunch or, or whatever and prepare. And, um, but I, I knew I just had, you just know when you're young, you got to stick it out and you got to fight through it. And then this Fullerton thing came open and uh, it couldn't have been a more, you know, appealing opportunity for me knowing that I went to Cal state Fullerton, knowing it's at this level. So young guys have to stick it out. Like, if you're getting into coaching because you want to be rich, well, that's, that's not realistic. It's not, it's not going to happen, you know, yeah. unless you, unless you really uh, get to a high level. So, you know, a head JC coach with full-time, you know, I'm a full-time instructor. I got a, I got a killer gig. I got a great life um, for, for me in Orange County, but it's, it doesn't happen for everybody. It's not easy. You know, I, yeah. I've been in conversations with assistant coaches that I'm, I'm going to hire that I think I'm going to hire. And, a lot of times they come back to wanting to talk to me about money and I just have to sit, you know, I just have to be honest with them. Hey, you know, I, have it. <laughs> I don't have it. And, and, and it's not just going to show up magically off of a tree. So if you're, if you're getting, if you're coming here for money, uh, you know, you should go somewhere else because this, that ain't going to work here. Okay. So thinking about the JUCO in California, been lots of great coaches. If you had to pick a Mount Rushmore, uh, uh-huh. junior college men's coaches who would be who would be four guys that you'd put up on that and, and you probably can't pick four and and your buddies will be texting you or whatever and say hey man how'd you leave me off or 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 whatever but who would they be um that's a great question um if you if we're going to talk historically um I mean, you know guys like there's... yeah tark, I mean, tark you know tark is tark is there uh, Luke wasn't in it very long, but yeah, he, was, he was in it for five years, you know, he, he, but you know, a guy like that, um, Vance, Vance Wahlberg, Reggie Morris, um, Paul Andrew. There's a lot of guys, but I'll give you my four. Um, it okay. starts, it starts with Andy Ground. All right. Um, Andy, Andy's done, done a lot for the, the game of junior All college. Right, Andy won't be texting you. That's a good one. Oh, no, he, he's on that list. He knows. <laughs> um, another current guy that has to be on that list is Justin LeBaugh. Uh, at San Francisco city. Um, yeah. I got a hell of a lot of respect for Justin and all the success that he's had and the players he's gotten out. And um, I, I, you know, just when you're really good at the JC level, some people like you, some people don't like you. I, I really like Justin and, and, and I, me and him get along pretty well. And, and so I got a lot of respect for him. So he's up there. Uh, Tark obviously is up there. And then, um, you, you know, I think you go with Lou, you know, I think a guy that, you know, a guy like Ed Maddock, uh, at Fresno City has won a ton of games and been really good. I mean, I'll say it. I'm a, I'm a Wahlberg guy, but I'll say it. He's taken it and flown with it and maybe yep. even 
took it yep. even to another level. So yep. yeah. uh, Phil Matthews, Phil Matthews is at Riverside now. Yep. Uh, he was dynamite at Ventura college um, in the early nineties. Uh, um, so there's, there's a lot of guys, um, but you know, Andy, Justin, Tark, Lute, I'd probably go with those four. I mean, like you were saying with the teaching and the gig, I mean, I got Jeff coming on. Jeff's, Jeff's probably one of the elder statesmen of seniority and done this for 20 plus years. You yeah. got Jerry, you got Jerry Hernandez in your conference. That's done it. Shoot. 25 years. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, what is it? Comfortability? Why guys stay? I mean, yeah, it's I not coaching I ability. Cause I know you guys can coach and you, you and you might've had chances to go but you get to a certain point where you just say, this is my calling maybe. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, for a guy like me, who's young, I, I don't try, you know, I'm not limiting myself to this level. I, I think that, you know, there might be an opportunity for me at some point. Um, but there's no rush, right? Because like you, you said, there's com comfortability and there's security. And in, in today's world that we're living in right now, <laughs> COVID-19 and all this, uh, the security that I have and the comfortability that I have in my job with, for my family is just, um, is really good. I know a lot of division one coaches, head coaches, assistant coaches that are really, really stressed out right now. And, um, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't have those stressors because I'm, I'm comfortable in my job, but I think that it's, it's security. It's, you make a good living. Um, you get good benefits. Uh, you have, you have job, you know, once you get that tenure, you have job security, uh, you could be here for your whole life, provide for your family, and then do what you love, which, you know, for us coaches, we all, we're all doing what we love. We, you know, it's not work for us. We get to coach basketball. I mean, what could be better? Going back to your defense here a little bit, are you more a system type of defense where this is the way we defend it, or do you go scouting, scouting report? Based. Yeah, so so we're, we're pack line, um, traditional pack line, you know, like Tony Bennett at Virginia. They do some, you know, they do scouting reports, um, tendencies and stuff, but they pretty much stick to their base defense and they're going to do, you know, there's pretty much same rotation, same double teams on the block, same things, every same way they, they hedge a screen the same way every time. Um, and it's just amazing how good they are at it. Uh, he's just such a good coach. When you watch him, it, it's incredible. Uh, for us, um, we try to take a lot of those principles, but we try to do a lot of scouting also. We'll do more switching of screens. Uh, we'll change ball screen coverages from game to game, uh, half to half, uh, personnel to personnel. Uh, we don't guard everything the same. Um, you know, I, I try. I watch a lot of NBA, especially right now, and, and NBA is scouting report defense. You know, the Lakers, you watch the Lakers and how they're playing Houston uh, right now defensively. There's not any way that they're going to play, you know, Denver or, or Clippers if they see one of those teams next, like, you know, they're, they're changing from series to series and game to game. And um, so for us, I think that we are pack line. We have our base. We, we always know uh, our guys always know what our base is. So, you know, if there, there's a, if there's a screw up, if there's a rotational screw up, um, I don't even have to really coach it. Like our guys already know, you know, they could look at me right when it happens and raise their hand. Hey, that's my fault. Um, but we also will adjust from game to game uh, on how we'll guard different guys and, um, like to double team in certain situations, force guys to, to bad shots, force guys to their, their weak hands, um, load up on one guy on one side of the floor, you know, so we'll adjust. We put a lot of time into scouting. 
Uh, we scout five, six, seven games of an opponent. Uh, we run numbers. We run analytics. Uh, we, we see where guys are getting their shots. Um, you know, percentages of what guys are making. So, like, you know, a, a, a normal coach would just look at, okay, I'm, I'm 18 games into the season. Uh, you know, Joe Schmo on the other team is shooting 40% from three, right? So, God, this guy's a big-time three-point shooter. But then we'll, we'll deviate from that and we'll say, okay, well, let's see his stats from um, the eight best teams that they played and uh, the eight teams that play the same style of defense as us. Oh, his 40% dropped down to 23%? Okay, so, so he's making threes and blowout wins and he's making threes against opponents that aren't guarding him the right way. And so like, you know, you ha- we, we, we try to really use numbers. Um, what, my assistant coaches really help with that. We run things through and, and we pay attention to them and um, it works for us. Now you guys have been really phenomenal last few years. Last year was a tough year. Um, you, you, you won the, championship in 2000 the year before and you had it rolling and the injury bug um smacked smacked the hornets in the face um i mean i i follow you on twitter and you guys never used it as an excuse and and still found a way to get over 20 wins in a season in the tough arguably the toughest conference in in california um would you say would you say not, not arguably the numbers back it up? Okay, um, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be PC. You, you, you go, you go. So I, I agree with you. But um, when I have maybe uh, Ed Maddock or or other guys out there or San Francisco or whoever out, maybe if I get those guys to to come on yeah. the podcast, love to have those guys. Those guys, like you said, phenomenal, phenomenal, tough-minded, yep. um, program-building coaches. I mean, it. Ed's joke is there's nobody that's stronger on the basketball team than Ed. Like you probably know that no one's going to outlift Ed Maddock. So yeah, no doubt. Uh, so um, can you compare and contrast for the people that are not from California? Cause I have listeners not in California that have no idea that California is their own association. We're not on the national JUCO and yeah. is there advantages for that? Or, or you feel like, is it a disadvantage not being national Hugo? Um, if I tomorrow could, um, could, you know, snap my fingers, uh, decide that we were going to be a full scholarship national JC, I, I'd do it. No questions asked. Um, I would That's love, <laughs> I would love to be able to compete at that national level and go against all those coaches that are highly regarded throughout the country. Um, some of those national JC jobs have always been really appealing um, to me because of, because of their scholarships and because of their support. Um, in my mind, California is going to be come to a crossroads here, um, soon because, um, we talk about not to get too far into, you know, injustices in the world, um, but I'm not even allowed to feed my players. And when you think about that as a California JC coach, and you think about, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to recruit this kid. I'm telling his parents, I'm going to take care of this kid. Uh, and this kid may not have any money and I can't bring him McDonald's to his apartment. Um, I think that that's an issue. And I think that that's a problem. And that's something we really need to look at as an association. Um, so there's been, there's been a little, you know, 
preliminary back and forth talk with, with the NJCAA um, about California uh, joining them. Uh, you know, they, we, would, we would join them on their Division Three platform, I guess, which is non-scholarship. Um, I would like to see us, I would like to see us dive into it. I understand there's a, uh, there's a monetary aspect to it and, and, um, but there are haves and there are have nots. And, and I feel like at Fullerton, I'm in the, in the haves and I feel like. I'll agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like if, if, if we just decided, Hey, we're going to do, uh, we're going to allow 13 tuition waivers. I mean, I could recruit, I could recruit, California kids, but then I can go recruit other kids out of the state and, and I give them a tuition waiver when that's going to save them, you know, $8,000 in tuition. Um, their, their full, their financial aid could cover their, their cost of living. And then, and then we could find jobs for them on campus and that could cover the, you know, their food and, and drink and stuff. And, and we can make it happen. Um, I would love to see it. I would love to do it. I know there's some coaches that, that think I'm just ridiculous and they don't want to do it. Um, but, but I think if you look at the top, uh, let's say, let's say five to six programs in the state, um, you know, you think about a San Diego city or a San Francisco city or a Fullerton, um, or an East LA or a Cerritos or a Ventura or a Fresno city or a Santa Rosa, those schools and those athletic departments were set up to go be really good. If you're, if you're, if you're a national recruit, Right? If you're a national recruit and you're going to take visits to colleges and you go visit Arizona Western and you go visit College of Southern Idaho and then you go visit San Diego City in the heart of San Diego, a minute from gas lamp, 75 degrees, 85 degrees year, year round. Go on vacation right there every year, right, man. <laughs> right. So like you, you know, we could really go and, and battle these teams for players and, and, um, and raise our profile. So um, I would love to see it. It's probably a, a, a far out dream of mine. Um, it, might, it might be really far fetched. Um, but if there was a way for us to do it, I would love to. I do think that, you know, if you look at the talent on San Francisco City's roster on a yearly basis, they could go compete with anybody. Yeah. My, my team that won it in 2019. Now I've had plenty of Division One coaches that's you know been in our practices, watched us play multiple games, and have watched team. You know, I was told by all of them, you you would have been you would have been at Hutch this year, you would have been the top ten to fifteen in the country. Maybe they're just blowing smoke, you know. But I, I think that with scholarships, I mean, we did that with no scholarships. Sent three of those guys Division One, four of those guys Division Two. We're not giving them anything to come here. So mm-hmm. if we were able to give them some incentive to come here. I think we could all uh, raise our level. So it is. Is California the best JUCO basketball in the United no. States? No, no. From a not not from a no, not from a competition standpoint. It's not close. I mean, that's it's reality. I mean, I pl- I play. I play ten games a year with guys that aren't going to play at a four-year school on the other team. So, um, okay. like I said, I think that at the top. I think that at the top. It is, um, but I think the top 20 to 25 could compete. Like you think about a school like Allen Hancock, Tyson, I, they're in the top 15, 20 every year, right? And, and haven't right, quite gotten over the hump to win a state title or to be in, a, I think, a final four, but he's been in a final eight. He does a good job. I mean, they could go anywhere and compete with anybody. And, and they're tough and they're, and they're coached. So like 
Um, I do believe the top 20 to 25 can. I, I just don't know, you know, w- below that, I think it'd be really hard. Do you think with 2021 coming with um, East LA filming, last chance you came on East LA's campus last year, and do you think that will open the eyes for national recruits to come, even though you don't have those advantages, to come out here to see the level of basketball out here in California? Yeah, you know, I possibly. I, I mean, there's a lot of guys from out of state that come to California. It's just in, in Fullerton, we don't do it for basketball very often. We've, we've had a few, but like our football program brings in a ton of them, 40 or 50 a year. Um, it just becomes a financial burden. It just becomes something on top of these kids where they're taking out loans and they're having to do stuff and it becomes a burden that they're going to carry with them uh, after they leave us. So for me in my heart, it's hard sometimes to have these kids come to a JC and have to take out loans to make it work. It just doesn't feel right. Um, NBA fan. So who's your team? Oh, come on. Lakers, baby. Lakers. Okay. Um, so we can go here. Who is who's your top five Lakers of all time? Oh, uh, <clears throat> oh well, you got to have Magic, Kobe, Kareem. I mean, those three guys have to be in it. Um, you know, sh- from a purely standpoint, even though LeBron hasn't, you know, he, he's only been here a couple of years. LeBron, sh- LeBron, Kobe, Shaq, Kareem, Magic, done. Those so- five. Yeah, so I, you leave out Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, some other really good players. Yeah, um, I, well, I'm going to go my top five NBA players. I'm 45. So okay. the way I do this question is you have to have seen them on TV play, like why you've been alive, not on a, not on a grainy YouTube video or something yeah, like fair. that. Yeah, so here's my five guys, and I say go beat me. Um, and mine is Magic, Michael. LeBron, Larry, and Kareem. Oh, I think I beat you. Who are you going to beat me with? LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Come on, KD and KD and Kawhi are different animals. KD's a scorer. They're both amazing, amazing players. Yeah. So basically, you're kicking magic off. You're kicking Larry off the island, and you're kicking uh, Kareem. Yeah, you know, Kareem, uh, Kareem Warsha, I'm 32. Yeah. So. Um, you didn't get to see him, though. So. I didn't get to see Kareem uh, live. So that's fair. So you, yeah. you're more modern. <laughs> yeah. but my, you didn't my, get to really, I mean, you got to see Magic and Larry a little bit? Yeah, I got to see Magic a little bit when he kind of came back and Larry a little bit. Um, I would say, you know, Kareem – my dad is a you know basketball buff and he got me into the game and he you know he he'll say Lou Lou Alcindor the best college player he ever saw Bill Walton second um you know obviously Kareem is Lou and um yeah I blow people's minds because everybody says it's the goats between Michael and LeBron is is the debate all the time oh yeah no you gotta you gotta throw Kareem in there uh my my goats if you go longevity of a whole career like you, you you throw in high school college and the NBA yeah, I don't think there's even a debate who it is. No, no doubt. My I, thing is, is why, Le, why Kareem doesn't enter the conversation is he doesn't sell shoes. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's kind of a bias towards a big guy, but 
I mean, has there ever been a more unstoppable shot? Has there ever been a more unstoppable player? I don't think I mean, there has I, been. I mean, they changed the rules in college. A guy couldn't dunk. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's – there's all the, all the different rules that have been changed. The hand check rule for Jordan, um, the hack a shot. The, but nothing that really affected how you can actually choose the score. You couldn't, they, yeah. they said no dunking. And and on top of it is is he won he won at all levels he won in college he won in the pros I mean that's got to be the 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 deal you know for anybody is how much you win yeah he was winning I think he won one with the Lakers at like thirty nine yeah still still somewhat of a focal point yeah Pretty uh, easy. I mean yeah I agree with some KD KD and you had you had LeBron KD and Kawhi right is that who you yeah. said and then yeah. Shaq is your center, and who was the fifth one? Um, Michael. Okay. You had, to, you, had to, you had to throw in the the arguably the goat. So yeah, D, you know Shaq for me is the the most dominant big guy I, I've ever seen. I I never saw Wilt, but people tell me that Wilt would just destroy Shaq, and I just say, no way. I just say, do you guys know how big Shaq is? And like, <laughs> Nobody like, would destroy him. Like sure, like, like the, you listen to you listen to the TNT guys, right? And and when Charles was saying that James Harden is the best one-on-one player ever, ISO player or individual best one-on-one player, and Shaq goes, Shaq laughed at him. He's like, "Stop it, stop it." He goes, he's like looked at him. He goes, "It's me." Yeah. And Charles turns back and goes, "Kareem would have busted your butt with the skyhook." <laughs> <laughs> so i mean kareem because he's slender but yeah him blocking shots with his elbow like at the rim and yeah. um i i didn't i got to see a shell of kareem i didn't get to see prime yeah prime like young kareem like i mean i was five years old when they wanted in, in 1980 when magic lined up as center yeah so um, what do you feel about the COVID situation and your guys' season getting pushed? Is it is it going to be a factor? Is it are you just happy that they had a plan? What was your feelings? Um, how you're gonna get me in trouble? <laughs> um, I don't like our. I don't think our plan's very good. I don't. I don't think that we have a very good plan. I don't. There's not very much transparency. There's not very much conversation. There's. Uh, we're all in the dark and I, I, I know that's how it is kind of for everybody throughout the country. Cause we're kind of trying to wait and see mm-hmm. um, what, what happens with this virus and, and what happens with everything. But um, so far we've been pushed back. We're going to start at the beginning of February. Uh, we'll start practices in January. Um, you know, we're only going to play a 20 game season. We're not going to have a state playoff. Oh, um, so I didn't know that part. Yeah, I mean, even if best case scenario, we we still wouldn't have any of that. So, um, you know, I just I just wish that you know I just I really the most important thing to me is just everybody's health and and like we like you were talking about earlier, um, California community colleges stay in their job, the coaches stay in their jobs for a long time, but we're not just basketball, softball, baseball, football, everything. So if you start throwing um, teams together and you start playing and you start having this and, and we don't have any plan for testing 
we don't have any plan for isolating. Um, and you start having coaches that are 55 plus 60 plus that are still full-time tenure professors still doing their job. Maybe, maybe a guy's diabetic or maybe he's this or that. Um, it scares the hell out of me, uh, for us to, to be putting people in a situation, um, that could, you know, end their life. And, um, I, I'm not trying to be a fear monger. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like that at all. I just, um, I watch how everybody else is doing it. I pay close attention, um, to how professional sports are doing it, how division one sports are doing it, how, uh, some of the division two, three NEI schools may be trying to do it. And, and, you know, I pay attention to what public health directors and doctors say. And, um, if we don't have testing and we don't have isolating and, and contact tracing, then, um, we're just rolling the ball out there. And, uh, to me, that doesn't feel right in, in my gut. Well, we got our CIF came up with the plan. And we're one of the few associations, I believe, in the whole United States that came up with a plan where it didn't decrease the schedule. It decreased the number of days, but they're allowing us to play. Yeah. And we're not tipping off till March. And typically, I mean, for Juco, if you're recruiting one of our players or whatever, you know about them, but maybe you're not getting out to see us until like the last week of league or playoff start because of your guys' schedule. Do you think that'll help you with recruiting or do you like it that you'll be able to maybe see you'll be done pretty yeah. much and we're just starting? Yeah. You know, I think it's uh, – I really like to see the, the uh, players in their high school setting. You know, typically in like April or May, I'd be able to go see them in the AAU setting. And a lot of the AAU programs do a really good job, um, but some don't. And – uh, you know, the refing and the scheduling and everything in AAU kind of gets watered down. So it's hard sometimes to get a, a, a clear evaluation. Um, it's easier for me when I watch a high school game uh, with fans in the stands and, and, and you know, 32, 32 minutes on the clock, shot clock, um, you know, team concepts, team defense. All that. That's always a better way for me to do my evaluation. Um, so I actually will like being able to get out and see more games. Um, it's really hard. Like you said, it's really hard during the season because we play Wednesday, Friday, which is similar to almost everybody else or everybody in CIF. Um, and then, you know, we don't finish our practice every day till six. So in order for me to get to a seven o'clock game in, in LA, it, it's damn near impossible. So um, yeah, you're only going to be able to recruit your local OC area. Yeah. Which isn't going to, you know, gonna, which you know, those ones already. So yeah. Yeah. So that, that you know, for me, yeah, you need to be going to LA, the Inland Empire guys, yeah. San Diego. That those are the, you know those are spots where we're going to recruit. So that's where we've been successful is recruiting the Inland Empire in LA. That's where most of our all league guys have come from. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it. I was, I was happy they had a plan, and then I started looking at it and like, okay, it's pretty good. And then it was just wild that that little other part where it says they could play travel, and their high school team. How do you think, I mean, you don't coach high school, but how do you think that's going to affect the, the elite high school teams where you think kids are going to make decisions or do you think kids are potentially going to sign earlier with the, with the uncertainty of the COVID situation? Yeah, yeah. That's a, if I were a high school coach, that would not be a, a good position to be in. Um, 
you know, part of being a, a if you want, you know, you, you got to play the politics with the AU coaches a little bit. And, and, you know, the best, the best high school teams usually have a coach that's got pretty good relationships with the AU coaches and, and they work together on players. And you think about Gary McKnight at modern day, um, you know, he, he shuts down, you know, he doesn't see a lot of his guys in the summer cause they're out playing in, you know, national AAU circuit with, with their high profile AAU teams. Um, so now, you know, what happens for, for Gary when, um, you know, they got a big game on, on a, on a weekend yeah, and St. John Bosco on a Friday night and there's a big, yeah. or, you know, what if, what if they're playing on a Saturday night and, and Ryan Silver, you know, has his West coast elite, uh, you know, team playing on the same day. Um, how are those conversations going to go? Um, how are the, how are these players going to be shared? Is it, so there's, there's yeah. a lot, I think that people, you know, you think about a guy like Dave Rabibo at, at Harvard Westlake, um, he coaches team. Why not? And then coaches his high school team. You know, I need to call Dave and see what his plan is, but I just been thinking about the different dilemmas that, that are gonna I didn't come up. think about the guys that, that are, Doing coaching both, coaching some elite high school teams, and then coaching an elite like seventeen U with a yeah. with an elite AAU program. Yeah, so there's there's those guys too. So um, I think that there's a lot to be figured out uh, for everybody, um, and it's sad to say I don't know how important winning championships is going to be this year. I think, and and I don't mean to say it, but I just think that everybody's going to be. I think everybody's just going to be focused on, okay, let's just get some sense of normalcy back and let's try to put together as best a season as we can. Um, you know, at the end of the year, you're, if you don't win at all, or at least for me, if I don't win at all, I'm kind of heartbroken. Um, you know, but this year would maybe be different where you'd feel at the end, okay, you know, this is great that we were able to get back on the floor and do it. Yeah, I was agree with you. I mean, I was one of the only schools, I think, in California that got a chance. We got two days of workouts in in the summer yeah uh, june i don't know if you saw that when i played i'm like oh we're back we're back yeah, I saw that. I saw that. wednesday wednesday thursday so then the email comes at 9 a.m on monday that says uh we're not allowed to do it anymore i know some of the private high schools are and so now now we got we got positive news um just for our sports that are considered winter so there's like six of them now the fall sports that moved to winter on our new calendar um, out here in Riverside. Um, I believe it's the Norco School District, our school district, Rupa, and the Riverside School District have been given the go-ahead by the Riverside County to start doing social distancing and all the guidelines stuff, but workouts starting September 28th. So will you be in the gym? I can, I'm not allowed to yet. Um, they're only, only the sports that are gonna be playing in January. Are allowed to right now. Oh, okay. Starting, starting September 28th, we're being told potentially if things are going well, the testing going, and nothing's happening with these guys that are coming, that we'll be able to potentially start up in like November. Will your athletes be tested? I don't know if the school will be providing a test. I don't think. So. I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. They have, I, we just got this September 28th email yesterday. So that's a very good question. I think that that would be, you know, I, I see that there's these 15 minute rapid tests and stuff. I just, you know, I don't know the, the economics of it all, how much it all costs, but. Yeah, yeah, we don't have a bubble. We don't get tested every day. Yeah. So that's, the, I mean, that, I mean, it's amazing though. 
the job that they've done. I don't believe anyone's tested positive, correct? At the NBA bubble? Yeah. No, not, I mean, not since they got going, no. Yeah, and now, I mean, and now they've opened it up a little bit where family members are allowed to come and yeah. Uh, what do you think about watching that on TV? Is it kind of weird? Oh, no. I mean, they've done a pretty I'm good job it. miking in noise. and Yeah, I'm enjoying it so much. I, I mean, we with all that time that we had where we had no, no sports, I, I'm a sports junkie, so it's not just basketball for me. I like watching baseball. I like watching football. Uh, my wife even convinces me sometimes to watch soccer. She's a soccer coach at Cal State Fullerton, but okay. – uh, so I, I'm a sports junkie. So once baseball started coming back on, I was fired up. And then, and then watching the basketball, I mean, it's five on five on a, on a regular size court. I don't care if the fans are virtual. I, you know, I don't need to see them. Um, I, I think it's been great. And I think that the level of the, of, of the play has been really good. I think that guys are, are not traveling. So they're well rested. Um, they're not out, you know, at two in the morning doing anything. They're, they're in the bubble and there's just not that much they can get into. So, I mean, I, if you watch LeBron the other night and you watch him flying around blocking shots, I mean, he looks as, I, as I'm, he looks pretty impressive. I mean, he looks really impressive. Perry, yeah. Perry, if you've ever heard me on any of these things, I'm the, I'll say it out here. I'm the, if people want to debate the Kobe LeBron thing, I'm the, I'm probably one of the few California guys that's going to give LeBron the oh. over Kobe. Well, you're you're talking to a guy that agrees with you. So, oh wow, we got two in the same room. Well, I was the point guard, and I was an assist guy. And and as great as Kobe was, he wasn't necessarily the best assist guy. Yeah, I mean, I my debate is usually this, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but if you take all around basketball skills and be able to guard five positions, all around yeah. basketball, I think LeBron. There's, I don't think there's, I don't think you could say anyone's better. No. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say he's the greatest basketball player ever. I mean, that you can't really say that until someone's career is over anyways. So, yeah. I mean, even if you did Mount Rushmore right now, I don't know if you could you put LeBron on there because he's still playing. Well, I just – I think, too, in, in terms of, like, if you're a coach, um, having guys with versatility is just oh. – you want to recruit, it's so important. And, and the positionless. Yeah, he, he's so versatile. He could just do everything on the floor. Not that Kobe couldn't, but he's just a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Um, I mean, so he doesn't have a position. He's a, no. He's technically, I mean, you want to be real, he's a point guard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a point guard. Yeah. He's ball, he's, yeah. My big, I don't know if you've heard me do this one. My comparison of him is he's Magic Johnson with, in his prime prime, with Michael Jordan athleticism inside Carl Malone's body. Yeah. <laughs> So those are three pretty damn good players, right? So yeah, I mean we didn't even mention we didn't even mention the mailman in some of our stuff. So I mean, and, and and not mentioning what a what a tremendous leader he seems to be, uh, and yeah. how much his teammates respect him and and and, and, and everything. Uh, I get it. It's his it, the hype, the narcissist sometimes of some of the stuff he does. And yeah, but, I mean, I didn't like I didn't be honest with you. I didn't like when he left Cleveland to Miami. I didn't really like that. But I grew to take my glasses off and, and, and not do that LeBron villainization and the decision and all yeah. the all the all the stuff. So I mean, I'm I'm excited. Hopefully they wrap it up today. Yeah. Clippers do their job 
And the only, only, only sad part is, is it's not in Staples set. Yeah. Like, we've never seen it. We've never seen a Clipper Laker playoff series. Hey, we're, 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 we're public school guys, though. We don't have money to go to a Laker game anyways. We can't go to – it would be on yeah, TV. I mean, yeah. when, you have, when you have – when your stipend for your assistance are what high school varsity coaches get paid. So, yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's be real, right? <laughs> when you were mentioning the amount of money, that's where it basically is at. Your $10,000 for five years or whatever you did with Grant, yeah. that's about – I mean, that's an L.A. city – that's an LA section head coach, two, $2,000 a year right there. I mean, yeah. I mean, we don't do it. I mean, we don't do it for the money. Uh, no. I mean, people think we do. We don't. It's, we enjoy competition. And I'm not going to say who it is. I talked to a junior college coach. I'm going to get a chuckle out of this. He, he um, basically can, said that his program's like a rehab center. We get them in and we get them out. And if they're here too long, we didn't do our job. Um, because not that it's bad. It's, it's basically, like you said, majority of the time, if a kid has talent, he came to JUCO because something went wrong and it's usually great. That's probably the number one reason why a kid doesn't, that, yeah. that's a D1 talent or whatever, isn't at the D1 school. Yep. Um, so Lakers are going to win it or, or is the Western conference going to win it? Is it going to be the Lakers? Whoever wins the Lakers Clippers series, is that who's winning the championship? Um, we'll see. I don't know. I, I think Miami looks really good in that bubble. Um, they're really tough. They're really well coached All in Florida. It's in Florida. And yeah, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of hype being played on um, Laker Clippers and, and all that. But then, you know, sometimes you could lose focus or be worn down at the end of it. But oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing to me how bad the Lakers look in game ones. Oh, yeah. And then it's, it's almost like the LeBron feel you out. Okay, this, this is what you're doing. And the adjustments, like you said, uh, no more. No more bigs. No more Howard. No more JaVale yeah. McGee switch everything double take the ball out of yep i think vogel i think vogel deserves a lot more credit than he gets i think he's done a really really good job i mean look i mean when he was with indiana who did he have to beat yeah was it the boston wasn't it the good boston teams yeah he's yeah. he's been good he, he's good he, and he's good defensive coach good I mean, defense give your give your opinions to so people can hear of, of caruso Oh, I love Caruso. I think he's guy. Is he your is he your favorite Laker right now? No, I, I don't know. I um I like Caruso. I think he does, you know, he makes every defensive assignment, every defensive rotation. He does a good job. He's tough. Um, he's a total team guy. I will say that he makes some stupid offensive decisions sometimes that just drive me nuts because he he shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't be trying to force action too much, but um I, I, I love Cruz. I love LeBron. Um, I think Anthony Davis is just, uh, just superhuman. I, I, think, I want him to get more dog in him, man. Yeah, I know. But I mean, he is, if you look at, if you look at when they play the Clippers, he does not score in the fourth quarter at all. We'll see. We'll see in the playoffs. I just I, think he's, he's so good defensively. He's he like, you know, he's an interchangeable part, man. The way he switches on the screens and keeps small. I mean, he's matched up with Westbrook. He's starting the games on Westbrook. 
and and you know that's another conversation but uh he, he's done a great job and um yeah I, I people go can houston ever win and i just say no team with westbrook on it could ever win it is what and I, well, I don't know about I, westbrook. I, I believe I, I, he's a phenomenal talent i just don't think that i think the philosophy has flaws i i, I think that um I think that if you're not going to uh, focus on defending and rebounding, um, you can't win it. I don't, I've never seen a team win a championship. That's not, you know, a top five defense team and, and doesn't do, you know, at least adequate job on the boards. I have to look up that. That's a good, that's a good stat that I have to look at it. If any NBA team has ever won it, that wasn't in the top five. I mean, you think about those Warriors teams, I mean, Curry, those guys are incredible, but I mean, they're, they were led the league in defensive field goal percentage. So, I mean, there's the common denominator of in all sports in all sports is defense. If you, I mean, the defense wins championships is, is true. There's yeah. no, every, every team who's, who's good. Um, and, and how wins many, but how many teams have won it that are like, 15th offensive well i don't know what was toronto last year like i, I don't know i would have to look at that um i'm just saying you know in, in yeah i mean you know what i mean though i mean you they, gotta be good you gotta both have ways. both you gotta, you gotta, gotta have, have both. both you gotta have both I and think, i think that yeah. houston has kind of their their philosophy has gone away from really not caring about the defensive side and just saying we're going to sp- spread you out and and make more shots and defensive team going into the Lakers series I think in the bubble yeah if you think about um with six foot five center what if Houston just like would cut you know what what if what if on offense instead of just standing out on the three-point line when Lakers getting all of those doubles and all those rotations just cut and go get layups well I can't say what I think of their offense on the podcast I get banned Uh, (laughs) um, I have a I have a a saying of what 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 Harden does but it, it it I would get censored or I'd get probably in trouble. So I'm not going to say what we could do that one off air. What I think, <laughs> what I think their offense is. Um, but look forward to you potentially coming on system basketball and doing a, a zoom clinic and letting people know more about uh, building a program or your pack line philosophy, whichever one you'd like to do um, here in the future coach. I uh, want to wish you in your program safety and good luck on the season. I love watching you guys play. Um, I know we were in touch throughout the season about one of my guys and love what you do there and keep, keep the grind up um, and wish you all the luck. Yeah. Hey, appreciate you having me on and, and for you doing all this and, and we'll talk soon as I get up on the system basketball. All right, man. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Baskopedia podcast with Perry Webster of Fullerton College. If you would like to join our system basketball clinics, you can register at systembasketball.com.